message was given at Hope Church of Knoxville. For more information about Hope Church, please visit our website at hopeknox.com. Anyway, if you guys will turn with me to the book of Acts, we're going to read just a few verses uh, this morning. Um, We're going to start off in Acts 1, and I'll go ahead and start reading for us this morning. In In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After that, he had given a command, or he had given his commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And after staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water... But you will, be, uh, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Um, my wife loves shopping for clothes. It's one of the things she's very good at. Uh, it's, a, it's a talent, yeah. We got some other ones here, Morgan. Um, Ola just uh, showed us her, her shoes this morning. She got as well. Seems like they're... Very impressive to other people. But uh, one of the funniest clothing shopping experiences I, I remember was about two years ago. My wife and I went to visit her mother-in-law in Nashville. I went to Opry Mills, and I, I had the responsibility of taking care of the kids while they were clothes shopping. And uh, so this is how the events st- started off. They went into one store. Me and the kids then went to the Disney store, Stayed there, looked around at everything for a while. Got bored there, so I was like, let's go to Build-A-Bear. We went to Build-A-Bear, let them pick out their bear. We got their bear stuffed, put all the decorations on the bears, or clothes on the bears. You know, that took some time, two bears. Then we went to um, get me some coffee, because I needed coffee at Starbucks. So I had to wait in line there for a while. And we're, we're continually waiting and, and trying to draw this out so they have time to look for clothes. We walked around the entire Opera Mills Mall. If you've been there, it's, it has to be over a mile long. Uh, it's a very, very big mall. We walked around it, then went to Bass Pro for a while so the kids could see the fish in the aquarium. And I thought, you know, we've, we've wasted a good, good few hours now, so it's about time the kids are getting tired and cranky. It's about time to go see if, uh, if they're done. So we get back. We go back, I call them and find out where they are. They're still in the same store. And they're not even done yet. So I was like, there is no way this is possible. I was like, you guys have been in the same location for more than an hour, and you haven't found the clothes that you need. Coming from a guy's perspective, we kind of map out the store. Like, before we go in, you know, I know where this, clo- this article of clothing I need is. What's the shortest way for me to get into this clothing store and get out as quick as possible? You know, if, if I'm in there longer than 30 minutes, it's starting to be weird. You know, I don't need to test clothes out. I wear the same size I have worn forever. You know, they all, all fit the same. So, 
to understand my wife's perspective, and many women's, I don't want to just put it off on my wife, to understand many women's perspective and how we, we think differently, we act differently, to me it doesn't make sense, and I, I can't understand th- this worldview. Um, it's, it's as if, you want to think of it this way, it's as if I'm staring at a tree, I've got my face up to this tree, and all I see is a tree, but I'm completely blind to the fact that there's an entire forest so, scooting back, I'm slowly able to see there's actually more to what I actually see than what I think I see. And it's the same way with, with clothes shopping. I may never understand that mindset, spending days and days and days and months and years in a clothing store, picking out clothes. That just, that's foreign to me. But, when we come to the book of Acts, we have something similar, that it would be very easy for us to, to go into the book of Acts and be so close to this tree that we don't see the forest. We completely, we're focusing only on Acts and we can forget, forget that this is part of a bigger story. There's a bigger narrative going on. That There's a bigger whole plot of Scripture. It's as if you go to the, to the last episode of a movie and you haven't seen anything before it. You don't really understand what's going on. You get to experience this movie and what it is, but you don't get to see the beauty and how everything is tied together in this. So when we come to the book of Acts, what I hope we can see and what I think we'll see in the coming months is that Acts ties all the promises of Scripture, everything together, and they let us know what it now looks like to think Christianly. When we read the book of Acts, so many people when they read Acts, they focus on, on trivial things in Acts. They, they focus on the non-essentials. They're like, Acts is about speaking in tongues, or Acts is about healing, Acts is about how we should structure our churches. There have been whole denominations that structure their entire belief system, the entire structure of their churches on the book of Acts. I don't think that's very wise. There have been whole churches... Um, there's been whole theologies based out of Acts that because they did it in Acts, we should therefore do that as well. But what I want to argue is that Acts is a, a time where they're in between two covenants. They're in between the Old Covenant and they're in between the New Covenant. That They're in the midst of God fulfilling these promises and these promises now impacting us and they're learning how to live in a Christian worldview. They're learning how to live Christianly, if you want to think of it that way. These people have been Jews their entire life, and now they've seen the risen Messiah, and now they're having to learn to live and think differently. They're having to develop an entire new worldview. Their whole system of thought crashed, and now they're putting it all back together in light of the resurrection. That's what I think we will see from this. That's why I think we need it. We as Hope Church need the book of Acts. Why do we need it? It's not just for theological precision. We need the book of Acts to see how we should live in the midst of persecution. How we should live, um, live as new believers. We should, how, how can we learn to think Christianly? That's what we need the book of Acts for. We need to learn to see how they did it then. How we should model our church in such a way. Some churches, they model everything after it. And I'm not think, I don't think that's wise. I think we do need to take things from it though. Like how often they gathered together. They met frequently for fellowship, for eating meals. They lived life together. They, they shared everything among each other. It's not that we have to sell everything that we have and give it to one another. But 
our hearts should be invested in each other. That we should care for the needs of each other within our congregation. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. So they tell us how to love one another. It shows us how to, to live daily. It shows us how to live on mission. Those are some things we're going to learn from this book. And that's why I think it's important for us as a church to invest in this. But let us begin in verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, who is writing this book? And who is this man, Theophilus? I'm going to cut it off short there so we can actually explain this. Luke is the, is the writer of this. Um, he's thought to be the physician of Paul. Theophilus, he wrote the book of Luke to him. He also wrote the book of Acts to him. This is part two of it. He says, in the first book, I told you everything that was done in the life of Christ. And now I'm telling you how Christ is working in the midst of His church, in the midst of His people. This is post-resurrection thought. Theophilus, he calls him, in Luke 1, he calls him most excellent. This phrase is used only in regards to like officials. Um, during this time in Judaism. So he's thought to be a high official within the church. Some actually believe, uh, a lot of scholars are now believing, that Theophilus was a high priest in Judaism. And the reason that's significant is Luke is writing to this high priest, this, this high Jew, this person who holds a high place in the ranks in Judaism. And he's writing to convert him to Christ. That's the purpose of Luke. And then the purpose of Acts is showing how to think Christianly. We never know if he's a believer or not a believer. But the word Theophilus also means lover of God or friend of God. I'm sorry, friend of God, not lover of God. It means friend of God. And that causes people to wonder, is this Theophilus actually a real person? Or is he just a person who's a friend of God? That he's, he's writing the gospel to him. And now he's writing um, the book of Acts, showing him what Christ has done in his church. Um, but very likely, it is a man named Theophilus who is friend of God. It's a very Jewish name. And he was the high priest. And Luke is writing to share the gospel with him and to show him what the Spirit did in the church and is doing in the church. So what's this mean for you and I? What's this man, Theophilus, have to do with us? You know, we know who he is. We know Luke wrote it. Uh, we know he wrote to a man named Theophilus. But what's that have to do with me? What's that have to do with you? Why is it significant for us? Because Luke is possibly writing to a believer or a non-believer, trying to show him the importance and need for Christ, and trying to show him the importance of leaning and trusting on Christ. That if it's to a non-believer, he's trying to share the gospel with him. So this book is a book for non-believers. If he is a believer, this is a book to show him the importance of leaning on Christ, depending on Christ in the midst of persecution. Leaning on Christ when life is difficult. That is very much a story that we need to hear. Whether a believer or not a believer, we need Christ in the midst of all situations. The gospel is not the thing that you believe right when you're saved, but it's something that you need every single morning. When you wake up in the morning, you need the gospel. When you go throughout your day, you need the gospel. It's not a prayer that you pray and you forget, but it's something that transforms your life. You are a great sinner, constantly in the need of a great Savior. That's why we need this book. Now let's keep going. I've dealt with all Jesus began to do and teach until the day He was taken up, after He had given the commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen. The whole book of Luke is about the life and ministry of His physical life here on earth. 
Then he promises to send the Spirit. Why is this significant for us? Because Luke ends with a finished work of Christ. You don't have to worry that we constantly need a sacrifice. That was finished with the end of Luke. We now see what it looks like, how to live in Christ. It's as if God is recreating the world and showing us a new lifestyle. This is a completely different way of thinking. The gospel was finished in Luke. Acts now shows us how to live. We don't have to worry. The author of Hebrews says this, But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of the Father. It is finished with Christ on the cross. We no longer need additional sacrifice. Luke is there to show us that. Acts now is here to show us how to live. The word resurrection actually occurs more in the book of Acts than it does in any other book of the New Testament. Because we are now living as resurrected people. People have been brought to new life. The resurrection captivated these people. It changed their entire worldview. It changed everything about them. The resurrection was not just an event It wasn't just Easter, but this Easter event for them transformed everything about the way they viewed reality. Think of it this way. I can think back to a few times in my life that events changed my life. Um, It could be for you, maybe you can think back to the day you met your spouse. Um, that that day changed your life. Maybe you think back to an event. Maybe you went to a conference, and that conference really had an impact on your life. And from that point forward, everything was different. For me, I can think of one of the most significant points in my life was reading a book. I was on a mission trip in Venezuela, and we just got back. I met a friend there on a mission trip, and he was reading a book by an author I'd never heard of, a book I'd never heard of. And I asked him if it was any good, just trying to chit-chat with him. I was like, is the book any good? And he's like, uh, yeah, it's the best book I've ever read. So then I was naturally shocked by it, and I was like, okay, so I looked at it. And um, so then we, we flew back into the United States, and we were in Texas. We were going to stay there for a few days to do more mission work in Texas. And we, uh, we went to the small town in Texas, and I don't know if you've been to Texas, but it's kind of all spaced out depending on where you are. We're in Burnham, Texas, so the only thing there is the Bluebell uh, blue plant, which is... Very significant in my life, but um, very important in my life. Um, but that's the only thing in this town. And we were in the downtown of this, this city in Texas. There are no hills, everything's flat. And all there is in the downtown area of this, this city of Texas is a coffee shop, an ice cream store, and um, a bookstore. This is before I got into coffee, so I didn't really pay attention to the coffee shop. So... I went and got ice cream, and we're supposed to spend all day here while we're getting everything organized, or while everyone else is getting everything organized for us to come there. And eat my ice cream, Bluebell ice cream, by the way, and um, eat my ice cream, and then have nothing else to do. I wasn't an avid reader at the time, and I was like, I'll go to the bookstore, pass some time. So I walked into this small bookstore, and one of the first books I see on the shelf is this book my friend told me to read. So I was like, well, I've got four or five hours to kill. Might as well just buy the book and read it, see see if it's really the best book I've ever read. And sure enough, I I buy the book and I start reading it. And I can literally pinpoint that point of time 
to now thinking about everything else in life differently. Um, from that point on, my desires changed for God's Word. From that point on, um, I wanted to read more. I wanted to study more. Uh, that's really when I realized that I wanted to become a pastor. Um, it kind of had a, that big of an impact on me. And we all have events like this. It could be the birth of a child. Um, those are very significant. We all have major events in our life that we can pinpoint that changed everything. And what I think is going on here in the book of Acts is that Luke is there to tell us the gospel. Acts then is to tell us about the resurrection and how this event that took place in the life of Christ has changed everything. You cannot look at your life the same after experiencing this. Everything is different. You now think differently. You now act differently. You now realize that God is doing something completely different than what you thought He was doing. It's not the same story you're reading before. It's like seeing the movie The Sixth Sense. You're watching it all the way through for the first time, and it's a great movie. By the time you get to the end, you realize the main character has been dead the whole time, and you're now thinking, I've got to rethink everything. That's exactly what's going on here. Is they have to rethink everything in light of this event. I hate to spoil that for you, Billy. Sorry, man. So, in the Christian life, the reason this part is significant for us is we too have to learn to think differently. When we put our faith and trust in God, it's going to call us to do something differently. It's going to call us to live a different way that's not normal for this world. Loving people when they have wronged you is not normal. Loving you, loving people and giving up your things for those around you in your church, that's not normal. Sacrificially loving your neighbor is not normal. Devoting your Sunday every single week to worship the risen Christ is not normal. But it's this event, this AD, that is now changed because of what Christ has done. Everything is different. Everything has been changed. Now let's go down to verse 3. He presented Himself alive to them after His suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. This is important because we need to see, back in Luke 1, Luke said this to Theophilus. He says, the reason he wrote the book of Luke was this that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Now we see Acts. As soon as Jesus resurrects, He appears to His disciples for 40 days, giving them many proofs and teaching them about the kingdom of God. Why is that important? Why do these two things relate? Is that the reason Jesus appeared to them is to give them hope. They were putting their hope in this Messiah, the one they thought would come and conquer and rule Israel once again, a future David, a king who would destroy all of Israel's enemies, one who would set them free from the bondage of Herod and false gods in the midst of Israel. And what happens? They put this man to death. The one that they hoped for, the one they thought was the promised seed of Eve, has now been crushed. They watched Him beaten to death and put on a cross and buried. 
that's going to crush everything about you. If you put your hope in everything and then that one thing is then destroyed, it, it turns your ship over. You're drowning. You have nothing to put your hope in. What does Jesus do? He appears to them just like Luke wrote the book of Luke to give hope and give certainty of the things. He is now writing Acts. And he tells them that Jesus appeared to the disciples for 40 days. It's not an hallucination. This happens for 40 straight days to His disciples. Proving to them and teaching them about the kingdom of God. This 40 days event is also important. Why 40 days? Was it literally 40 days? Was it more than 40 days? 40 days is a significant number in the history of Israel. Israel was in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus, or for 40 years, sorry. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. He suffered for 40 days. This is significant because it's tying together all of Israel's history. And Jesus is providing them evidence for 40 days in the wilderness. It also shows us that these evidences, and evidences are not necessarily a bad thing. People uh, sometimes in, a, in apologetics, they always want to know, like, what's the, we need artifacts, we want, we want uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, we want these manuscripts. These things are important to us. Evidences, we need good arguments for our belief. A lot of times people make Christianity as, as if it's faith and no logic. But no, here we see the risen Christ gives evidences. He gives proofs. There is intelligence within Christian belief. There is logic for what we believe. It's not just blind faith. There are proofs. And here Christ gave proofs and evidences for His resurrection. And He taught them about the kingdom. This is going to play an important role in the book of Acts. Now verse 4. While staying there with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You heard from Me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This, uh, this, John, um, this reference uh, to John here is also mentioned in Mark. and it's When Mark is baptizing and... Jesus comes along and He says, I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's, he's tying together all these promises of old. And John, that's not original with John. In Joel 2, there's a promise that one day God's Spirit will be poured down upon all people. All His people. All of God's people will have the Spirit. Jeremiah 33, likewise, this promised Spirit, everyone will have the law written upon their hearts. They will obey the law because they have the Spirit of God living within them. In the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit would come upon people and leave. Come upon people and leave. You can see that with David and with Saul. But the promise of the New Covenant was the Holy Spirit would now indwell us. He would live in us. And help us obey God's law. 
That time is now here. They are experiencing the transition from a time when the Spirit would come and go to the time where the Spirit indwells the hearts of believers. If you are in Christ, you too now have the Spirit indwelling inside of you. This, this book has many allusions back to the Old Testament. This book has promises that are being fulfilled. The speaking in tongues aspect, I'm going to show as we get into that, is a fulfillment of promises. And the reason all these promises are fulfilled in Acts is to show you that God has not forgot anything that He said. God is faithful to His Word. His Word can be trusted. And that's what they were showing, that all these promises that were made have then now been fulfilled in Christ and His resurrection. And we can put our hope in that same God that He offers salvation to all those who put their trust in Him. You can trust God with that. And Paul tells us this, He who began a good work in us will surely complete it. That's a God you can trust in. That's a promise that you can trust in. There's no need for fear when you have the Lord on your side. That's why we need this book. It's similar. This book is going to give us a glimpse of what it looked like in the Old Testament. The Canaanite conquest. That Moses dies and then what happens? Joshua picks up the rain and then he goes and then he clears out all of Israel. And then God's people then go into the land and they find rest. Here Christ passes away and now we have the Spirit coming along. And they're conquering all of the world for the name of Christ. Until one day we enter that new Jerusalem and find rest once again. Just as God conquered the darkness with light and then enters into rest at creation, here the book of Acts shows how God is conquering all of these people. And the end result is the rest of his people, uh, the rest for his people. The book of Acts is really a summary of the Old Testament. It's going to tie together and it's going to cause us to address some controversial issues. It's going to have some difficult passages we're going to have to wrestle with. But that's why we read, we are going to read the book of Acts together. And you may be a little discouraged thinking, is he really going to end on five? We're going to be in Acts for ten years. Be encouraged. We'll pick up the pace. This is an introduction for this book. But... There's a lot that we can learn from it. There's a lot that we can be challenged by, a lot of things we can think through. It will help us to live as believers in His new creation. It will help us show the world what it looks like to live as those who have their hope in the risen Christ. Let us pray.